Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. I'm excited to be preaching the word to you today. My name is Wanson, and I'm on staff at the church. One of my favorite things that I do at the church is I lead our men's ministry called Remnant. We have an awesome, thriving men's ministry at Awakening Church. We have monthly events and resources. We have an app and a website. It's awesome what God is doing in the men of this house. There are so many young men and families that are coming in, and I believe that as God strengthens the men, he's going to strengthen the marriages, the families, and the community of this house. Amen? And so we're going to prepare to receive from the word together. But I just want to say something before we, we go into it. The preaching of the word of God is very powerful. It's a very powerful time where the Holy Spirit is moving. You know, church with our physical eyes looks like a gathering. But if we could see in the spiritual realm what God was doing during the preaching of the word, we would see angels ascending and descending. We would see people receiving revelations and scriptures and words from God. You know, but it might be me saying something. You might hear my voice. But I pray that as the word is preached, the Holy Spirit would speak to you. I can't tell you how many times people will say, remember that time you told me this thing? And I say, no, I don't. Because it wasn't what I said. It was that God spoke. Amen. And I believe right now God is going to speak to us in this moment. So I'd ask you, bring your faith, have expectation. If you have a notebook, it's a great time to take notes. And not just what I say, but what God is speaking to you. I'd ask you, silence your phones, prepare your heart, prepare your minds to receive in the word of God. Amen. Ask a couple people around you, are they ready? Are they ready? And then go ahead and make your way and grab your seat. I believe this message today is going to help us and it's going to give us a practical understanding of something Jesus talks about in the Bible. The title of the talk today, the title of this message is Walking with Jesus. Everybody say walking. Say with Jesus. Walking with Jesus. There's a portion of scripture in Matthew 11 where Jesus actually lays out and he maps out a great visual of what it actually looks like to walk with God. And so if you have your Bibles there, we're going to take a look at this scripture together. Matthew chapter 11, we're going to start reading in verse 28. If you don't have a Bible, you can use the one in the seat in front of you. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, the Bible says this. This is Jesus speaking. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Then Jesus says something interesting. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray one more time, Lord. Right now, Jesus, we just fix our eyes on you, Lord. And we pray, God, that you would impart your truth, God, and your wisdom, and that you'd speak to us in this moment, Lord. And so we lean in with our hearts, God. We fix our attention and our minds on you right now, Jesus. Holy Spirit, speak, God, that we would leave different with a greater revelation and understanding of what it means to walk with you in this world. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said one more time. Amen. You know, this is a very interesting verse where Jesus says, come to me, all of you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But then catch the next phrase that he says here. He says, take my yoke upon you. It's interesting when you read this because it's an invitation from Jesus to receive rest. But in the very next line, he asks us to do work. He says, take my yoke upon you. It's a bit of a dichotomy, really. I'll offer you rest, but you're going to you're gonna have to pick this thing up. Jesus is saying, you got to pick up a yoke. 
Now let me explain to you what a yoke is. Some of you guys might not know. A yoke is a, is a wooden structure that you'd put on the back of two oxen, and it's, it's work equipment. In fact, it looks like this. We have that photo. That's what a yoke looks like. They're still used today. They were used thousands of years ago, and people will still use them today. It's a structure that you put on two animals, and what it does is it unites them together, and it gives them the ability to walk in unity, but also plow and work in unity. It lightens the load of the work that they do. This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, take my yoke upon you. Put my yoke on you. But it goes a little bit deeper because Jesus actually knew all about yokes. When Jesus was saying this phrase, he knew all about this instrument. You know, there's, there's, a, there's writings from a second, a second century Christian. His name is Justin Martyr. And we have writings from this man. He was born in the year 110, just after the first century Christians. And in his writings, he has this quote. He, descri- he describes the work of Jesus, who we know was a carpenter. This is what he says. Do you have that quote? He says, he was known. He was in the habit of working as a carpenter when among men, making plows and yokes by which he taught the symbols of righteousness in an active life. What is he saying? Jesus made yokes. Jesus was a carpenter. When he was on earth, Joseph was his father. They worked in the shop. Jesus, in his silent years, he made yokes. So when he's saying this verse, he knows what he's talking about. Jesus made yokes. He designed yokes. He worked with yokes. He knew all about yokes. And he's inviting us to take up his yoke. He's inviting us to put it upon our shoulders. Now, biblically speaking, the yoke is an image of unity. It's an image of being joined together. You know, we talk about things like the yoke of marriage, where a man and a woman come into a covenant and they're yoked with marriage. The Bible talks about not being unequally yoked with an unbeliever. This is what it's talking about. Don't be unequally joined. Don't be unequally united. It's an image of being united. And Jesus is saying, be united with me. Be yoked with me. Be joined with me. Be together with me. This is what I'm talking about today. It's that Christianity is an invitation to be yoked with Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Amen. You and Jesus, I mean, think of the image of it. You and Jesus walking together, yoked together, living together, and he's sharing the load of your life. The problem is that you cannot be yoked to Jesus if you're yoked to something else. I mean, very practically, there's only room for two on that thing. (laughs) You can't be yoked to Jesus if there's something else in your life that you're yoked to. Well, how do you identify what you're yoked to? Well, here's a simple question you can ask yourself. What or who is the primary influence of your decisions and the direction of your life? What's the primary influence? What's the primary decision maker in your life? The Bible is very clear. The Bible says no one can serve two masters. Are you yoked to Christ or are you yoked to something else? So you can't be yoked to Jesus plus something. You can't be yoked to Jesus and money. You can't be yoked to Jesus and money. Money will lead you in the direction of greed. Money will lead you in the direction of wanting more, of never being satisfied. Jesus, he will always lead us in the direction of generosity, in the direction of giving. Two totally different endpoints. You can't be yoked to Jesus and success or, or accolades and achievement. Why? Because if, if you're all about success and that's what your life is yoked to, that's going to lead you in the direction of pride. That's going to lead you in the direction of, 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 pride, of being prideful, of, of be, looking down on people. Where Jesus, he does the opposite. He leads us in the direction of meekness. And what does the Bible say? The meek shall inherit the earth. You can't be yoked to Jesus in sin, secret sin, addiction, bondage. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. Sin is like dead weight in your life. 
It's like being yoked to a weight and it's dead weight. That's why the Bible talks about, let us lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely. What is the Bible saying? You got to get rid of that thing because sin is trying to take you towards death. But Jesus, he is the way, the truth, and the life. Two totally different directions. What are you yoked to? What, what inquires and makes most of the decisions in your life? What tells you of the direction that you should go in your life? This is what you'd be yoked to. Famous evangelist D.L. Moody says this. He says, if I walk with the world, I can't walk with God. Do you walk with the world or do you walk with God? See, because the truth is, is that humanity was created to walk with God. When you look at the very beginning of time, you look in the Garden of Eden. What do you see? God made man and woman but the Bible is clear. The Bible tells us in Genesis 3:8 they could hear the sound of the Lord walking in the cool of the day. It's an image of God walking with humanity in the beginning of creation. That was his intention for us. God's intention was that we would be united with him, communing with him, walking with him. Can you say amen? In fact, it's from that verse that we get that phrase. You know, we, we say like you get saved, you become a Christian. How's your walk with God? You know, we say things like that. Oh, my walk with God, you know, we had a rough day. How's your walk with God? It comes from this verse. It comes from this idea that now we can be joined and united with Jesus Christ. But you know what's, what's interesting about being yoked to Jesus and being yoked is back in biblical times, what they would actually do when they would yoke two oxen together, they would intentionally yoke a more experienced ox with a less experienced ox. Why? Because you can't have two leaders what would happen is they'd begin to pull against each other. And so they'd intentionally put the more experienced one on with a less experienced one. And the goal would be that the more experienced one would begin to teach and would begin to lead the less experienced one as they walked together. And one would set the path and the other would support and would follow. What am I saying? I'm saying that when you're yoked to Jesus, Jesus will lead you. Jesus will lead you. The question is, will you be led? Will you submit Will you allow God to take the lead in your life? Will you be led by Jesus Christ? You know, walking with Jesus is a daily denial of self and a submission to his leading. Every day, you've got to deny the directions, the desires of the flesh, the things that you want to go, and you've got to submit. Jesus, what is it that you have for me today? Lord, I'm yoked with you and I'm following your direction are you yoked to Jesus? Will you allow him to lead you? You might have to give up some things when you're yoked to Jesus. If you're going to let God lead you, you might have to give, give up control of the direction of your life. There might be some dreams you have to give up. There might be some hopes you have to give up. Are you willing to give up the control of the direction of where you're going and give it to Jesus? Well, God, I had a five-year plan. Well, what if God's plan for you looks slightly different? Well, God, I was thinking I would make all this money and invest, you know, retire on an island somewhere. What if God is calling you to be a missionary? What if God is calling you to give everything away to other people? What if God is calling you to be humble? What if God is calling you to be a parent? <laughs> Sometimes people, and there's this thing out there now where people feel like, well, I'm not going to have any kids. What if God is calling you to father children? Come on, you are blessed when you have children. Amen. They're work, but they're a blessing. What if God is calling you to do something that you feel like you aren't called to do? Will you submit to the ways of God? That's why the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on, on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he'll what? He'll make straight your path. That's what the Bible's talking about. It's about letting God be the leader of your life. You might have to give it up. You might have to learn how to trust God 
through difficult times. Because how many people know we will go through difficult times and just because you're yoked to Jesus doesn't mean you won't walk through a desert sometimes. God is leading the way and sometimes God's gonna lead us through difficult times. Sometimes God might lead us through a desert. He's not leading us to the desert to stay there, but he's leading us through it. God is doing something in us. God is strengthening our faith. He's teaching us how to walk. He's giving us maturity, amen? God will take us through difficult places sometimes, but the, the key is, is that he's with us and that he's doing something. So will you trust him through those times? It's like the psalmist says, even though I walk through the shadow of the valley of death, I will what? Fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. He's beside me. And so I can walk through these difficult and these dark times in my life because God is with me. Charles Spurgeon says, wherever Jesus may lead us, he goes before us. If we don't know where we're going, we know with whom we go. The question is, will you be led by God? There's three things that happen, I believe, when you allow God to lead you in your life. Three years old, I was in a moment of worship and prayer, and I felt like God said the words, I love you to me. And I remember it to this day, decades later, that word that God spoke to me in that moment of prayer and of worship. Have you ever had an experience like that? Come on, when Jesus is yoked to you, he'll speak to you. He'll encourage you. He'll say things to you. He'll tell you, hey, you're doing a good job. He'll tell you, hey, I love you. Hey, I made you. Hey, I'm proud of you. Have you ever felt the goodness of a word from the Lord in your life? You know, when you look at the Old Testament, God appeared in a moment to the prophet Elijah and the Bible describes the moment when God appeared to him. The Bible says there was an earthquake and God wasn't in it. Then there was wind and God wasn't in it. Then there was fire and God wasn't in it. But then there was a gentle whisper and the voice of the Lord spoke to Elijah. Why is it a gentle whisper? Because he's right there, because he's yoked, because he wants to be joined and united with you, amen? The voice of the Lord will come to you and will speak to you. Maybe you've never, you know, or maybe you've experienced encouragement, but, but have you ever felt God like correct you? See, now, now I'm seeing some more head nods going, up. yes, I have had God correct me. You know, he's, he hears everything you say. So he's there. He'll say, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> oh, that wasn't good. He, he can correct you in the moment because he's hearing and seeing everything you're doing. You know, you pull out your phone, you start texting. Who are you texting? I wouldn't text her. I wouldn't text. Don't hit send. Don't hit send. He sees everything. You ever heard God tell you, hey, you, you should apologize to that person. Ooh, you shouldn't have said that. God will speak to you. This is a part of God leading us in life. Are our ears open to hear from the Lord because it's a gentle whisper of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I think sometimes God will whisper to us, hey, I wouldn't do that. Hey, don't go there. Hey, that's not a good idea. Oh no, you did it. Oh no, don't keep going. Oh no, stop. And we're ignoring the voice and so we become desensitized to it. But I pray that we begin to listen and obey and, and learn from the voice of the Lord, amen? Lord, I'm open to what you want to say to me. I don't close away from it. No, God, speak to me. Your servant is listening. God's convictions and his correction will guide the course of your life. Can you say amen? amen? Three things that happen. Number one, he will speak to you. Number two, his qualities will get on you. God's qualities will get on you. When you allow God to lead you, you'll become like him. We have a word for the qualities of God or a phrase. It's called the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, right? How do I know it so well, you might be thinking. Well, I read my Bible, but also my children love this song called the fruit of the spirit. <laughs> and they will have me play it 
and then they will have me play it again. And I love the fruit of the spirit and I love the Bible, but they could use that song for torture music. <laughs> because they will, it goes, the fruit of the spirit's not a coconut. The fruit of the spirit's not a coconut. If you want to be a coconut, you may as well hear it. You can't be a fruit of the spirit because the fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Oh, oh. And then it starts all over again. Yeah, it's funny now, but if I did that for three hours in a row, you guys would not be thrilled. <laughs> no one has the faith to stay in church if I did that. But you begin to get the fruit of the Spirit in your life. You begin to talk different. You begin to act different. You begin to get gentleness on you and goodness on you and faithfulness on you. And everybody can tell you're yoked to Jesus. I mean, think, think of it for a moment. You know, Thanksgiving's coming up. Imagine with me for a moment, you know, you're not saved. And last year you went to your Thanksgiving dinner and, you know, you showed up and it's you and you're unsaved and you're drinking and it's wild and your family is all there. Your crazy uncle, your crazy aunt, your crazy cousins, everybody's there. They're arguing, debating, getting angry, talking politics, talking this, talking that. Everybody's mad. There's a family brawl happening and you're right there in the middle of it. Yeah, I hate all of you. Get out. Why did I even come to this event? Forget the turkey. And then you get saved. You start coming to church. You take the 52-week challenge. Jesus begins to change you. He breaks the bondage of addiction off your life. You're not drinking anymore. God sets you free. You get yoked up with Jesus. And it's you and him now. And Thanksgiving's coming up. And your family heard, I think he got saved. So, you know, you and Jesus are yoked together. And you're getting ready to go to the dinner. Thanksgiving's coming up. You're getting ready. Jesus says, hey, you look good. <laughs> you look like me. <laughs> you bear my image. And you're getting ready. You go, you get in the car. You're driving with Jesus. You know, you're saved now. You put some worship music on and you're worshiping him. You know, he's there in the passenger seat with you and you're lifting, you're closing your eyes and you're all of a sudden you swerve a little bit. You get pulled over. The cop comes up. What are you doing? I was worshiping him. Cop looks at Jesus. Jesus says, I told him to worship with his eyes open. I don't know what he's doing. So the cop lets you go because he can tell there's something good about you and he can tell there's just joy on you and there's favor on you and you go, you keep driving, you show up to your in-law's house for Thanksgiving dinner. It's you and Jesus yoked together. You know, you go through the door sideways because of the yoke, so you go in. <laughs> you stand there, your family sees you and they're like this. <clears throat> hey, Ted, how's it going? You look, you look different than last time we saw you. You know, you go up, you start talking to him, and now they won't offer you drinks anymore because he's with Jesus now. I think I heard he's with this Jesus guy. And, you know, they, your aunt's talking to you, and she swears a little bit. She goes, oops, sorry, sorry. You're with him now, right? I'm sorry about that. What am I saying? I'm saying your whole family will be able to tell. When you're yoked with Jesus, when you're united with Christ, it's all over you. You look like Jesus, you talk like Jesus, you act like Jesus. Am I saying you're perfect? No, I'm saying you're changed. God will change the countenance of your face. God will give you a smile back. I've met Christians that didn't know how to smile before they met Jesus. Let's try it together. Everybody just smile. This is the best facial exercise you're going to get all day. God will teach you how to smile. You'll get love on you, joy on you, peace on you, patience on you. You won't debate and complain. And, and you might slip up, but I'm telling you, when you let Jesus lead you, his qualities get on you. Can you say amen? amen. In Acts chapter 4, the Bible says Peter and John, they, they heal a man who's lame. He can't walk. They heal him, and then they begin to preach the gospel. And what happens? 
A crowd begins to form. People are getting saved. And the religious leaders show up. And they're saying, what is going on over here? And they grab Peter and John. And they say, by what power are you doing this? And Peter and John begin to reply. And Peter preaches and begins to tell them about Jesus. And, and they are so amazed at what Peter says. Look at what the Bible says they said in verse 13 here. It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. People can tell when you're yoked to Christ. Amen? Three things that happen when you allow God to lead you. Number one, he'll speak to you. Number two, his qualities get on you. Number three, he is gentle with you. God will be gentle with you. What does Jesus say? Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, Jesus says, for I am gentle and lowly of heart. God will be gentle with you as he leads you in life. God will be gentle with you. You know, the image I have in my mind, I have two daughters. I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old. When they were learning to walk, I have to be gentle with them. They're just learning how to pick up their feet. They're just figuring it out. Their muscles are kind of learning it. And I'm right there by their side and I'm supporting them and I'm helping them. This is the image I have of God being gentle with us on our walk with him. But eventually the kid learns how to walk and now they're running. Now they're riding their bike. And you got to teach them how to ride the bike. And then they're driving. And you got to teach them how to drive. Lord, help me. And, and you got to figure these things out. But, but God's gentle in his approach with us as we live our life. Can I just say something that I really felt would, like it would help you today as I was preparing? God is not angry at you. He's not mad at you. I think so many times Christians walk around with this fear and this guilt on them, thinking God's mad at me. I, I missed a week at church. God's mad at me or God's mad at me. I slipped up again. God's not mad at you. God's gentle with us in his, in his corrections and in his conviction. Can you say amen? amen? He'll be gentle with you. He'll come alongside you and say, hey, I wouldn't do that again. Now, sometimes he'll yank the yoke really hard. <laughs> We've all been there. I've had God yank the yoke real hard sometimes, but that's when he's trying to save your life from something like a good father would do. But he's all, always gentle in his approach. The Bible says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. God knows we're weak. God knows we're dust. God knows we're flesh. But he can sympathize with us. The Bible tells a story of a woman caught in the very act of adultery. You get what I'm saying? You get what the Bible's saying? Okay. The religious leaders go, they grab this woman, they take her, they put her before Jesus in the crowd, and they say, Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law says we should stone her to death. What do you say? Silence. The Bible says Jesus ignored these men. He began to write in the dirt, but they kept asking and asking. Eventually, he got up and he said, let the one who's without sin be the first one to throw a stone at her. What happens? You could hear a pin drop in that space. The Bible tells us one by one, everybody begins to leave, starting with the old all the way down to the young. What's Jesus doing? He's getting rid of all the condemnation until it's just left to this woman and Jesus. And look at what Jesus says to her. So powerful, this moment. It's a moment of correction. He's going to correct this woman. He says, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? It's a little tongue-in-cheek there. There was just a crowd condemning me, Lord, but they're gone. She says, no one, Lord. Which, you know, to me, that's one of the most powerful parts of this verse. Because she's assuming by saying no one, Lord, that he doesn't condemn her. And could I go a step further in saying she's assuming she knows 
Because there's something about being in the presence of Jesus that there is no condemnation. And she says, no one, Lord, by faith, knowing that his approaching and what he just did, he's not going to bring condemnation to me. She says, no one, Lord. And what does Jesus say? Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Jesus corrects, but he corrects gently. He has a loving approach. The Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Can you say amen? amen? God is gentle. When he leads us, he will speak to us. His qualities will get on us and he will be gentle with us. But what happens next? Jesus kind of makes a little bit of a unique promise here. If you take up his yoke, he says, take my yoke upon you, learn from me, right? And what does he say after that? At the very end of this phrase, he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The way I like to look at this, it's like, it's like a guarantee of the product. You know when you buy something and it comes with a warranty? When you take on the yoke of Jesus, this is his guarantee. This is the guarantee of Jesus. This is true and will forever be true, that his yoke will always be easy and the burden will always be light. Can you say amen? It's the guarantee on the product of his yoke, but it's a two-part guarantee. There's two closures on this guarantee here. The first part is that the yoke is easy. Now, that's a little bit difficult to understand, but when you look at the original language of that word easy, what it literally translates to is the phrase well-fitting. So what Jesus is saying, he's saying, my yoke that I'm going to put on you is well-fitting to you. You know what they would do back in biblical times when they would make a yoke for an oxen? They would actually take the oxen to a carpenter because the carpenter would make it. First, the carpenter would take some measurements of the oxen. Then they'd begin to rough out the shape of the yoke. Then they'd take the roughed out yoke. They put it on the ox. They'd begin to make some adjustments and changes to it. Why? What are they trying to do? They're trying to design a yoke that won't dig into the neck of the oxen. It's got to be, it's got to be bearable for them because they're going to pull some weight with this thing. What am I saying? I'm saying that they would tailor make the yoke for the ox. What am I saying? I'm saying that God has custom made you and he's got a custom yoke for you. Can you say amen? He's got a custom yoke for you. That's why sometimes like you can look at people and say, how do they do it? You know, you look at a, a single mom of five children or even a mom with a husband with five children. They got five kids. And you say, how do you do that? Custom yoke. You look at somebody who works full time and goes to school full time. How do you have the hours to figure that? Custom yoke. You look at somebody going through difficult times and seasons in their life, whether it's sickness or they lost somebody or they're going through a time of grieving and say, I don't know how they do it. It's a custom yoke. God's got a custom yoke for you. God's got a custom life for you. If you'll come under it, God will walk with you through it. Can you say amen? You've been custom made by God and you've got a custom yoke. He knows exactly what you can handle and what you're capable of. Why? Because he made you. And so the yoke is easy because the yoke is well-fitting. Do you know there's actually a legend? This is a legend that William Barclays, he's a, he's a modern theologian, he points to, it's an ancient Jewish legend that actually says that in biblical times, before Jesus came out in his public ministry, as he was a carpenter, he actually was known to make the best yokes in the whole region. There's a real legend about this. It's a little bit of Bible lore, if you will. They say that people would come from all around the region to buy their yokes from Jesus. And why? Well, because his yokes were well-fitting. In fact, the legend says that back in those times, it was customary for shops to have signs outside their doors, like marketing, if you will. And the sign outside Jesus and Joseph's shop may well have been, my yoke fits well. Just letting everybody know, no, I know what I'm doing. I'm a master carpenter here. So when Jesus says he's got a custom yoke for you, he knows what he's talking about. 
Yes, he knows the practicals of it, but God knows the intricacies and the details of your life, your personality, your mind, your future, your calling, your purpose. He knows exactly what you can do. He knows exactly what you can handle. Can you say amen? amen. The yoke is easy. But the second part of this deal, the second part of this guarantee is that the burden is light. Well, that's a little bit tough to understand sometimes because how can a burden be light? It's a burden. How can you have something that's burdensome, that's heavy, that you have to bear it, but it's also light at the same time? Well, there's a couple things we have to understand. When Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, what is he saying? It's his yoke. Jesus is the one that bears the weight of the yoke that we come under with him. He's the one that's carrying all the weight of it. I remember one time I helped a friend move and uh, you ever help a friend move? There's going to be pizza. You should come. It'll be great. It's never great. The pizza's always cold. It's just how it is. One time I was helping a friend move he, and he had to move a baby grand piano. And let me tell you, that was my first and last baby grand piano I will ever move in my life. And let me tell you, baby, it was a grand piano. It was big. It was heavy. And we're moving this thing and we're trying to get it around. I told him at the end of it, hey, next time you're going to move this thing, I will personally pay to have someone come out and get this thing. It'll be cheaper than my medical bills. But have you ever helped somebody move? If you ever have to like, you know, pick up something heavy, maybe you're like moving, I don't know, some furniture up the stairs and you got the, the heavy object and now you, you go to the stairs and you got that one friend in the back who's doing this. You know what I'm talking about? Like just trying not to buckle and collapse their spine under the pressure of the mattress you're holding. And it's, that's what Jesus is doing in our life. Jesus is bearing the weight in the load of our life. That's the picture that I have when I think of Jesus doing all of the work in our life. See, we think our success is attributed to us. It's the Lord. We think, oh, I'm just gifted. No, God put it in you. We think all the things we can do, I provide for myself. No, God is the provider. I'm the source of my own future and self, and I speak affirmations. No, it's God. God is working in the background of our lives. He's the one at the bottom of the stairs making sure we're alive. He's the one putting breath in our lungs. He's the one protecting us from things we don't even know that's going on. I can't tell you how many people I meet after they get saved. They look back on their life and they say, yeah, and I know God was with me there. God saved me from that accident, or he helped me through depression, or he was there in that moment where I tried to take my life or he was there in that moment where I went through that very difficult circumstance. God is in the background of our lives holding us up. Can you say amen? amen. The Bible says, behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. The burden is light because God is the one that's upholding your life. Come on, we can't add an hour to our life. Why worry? Jesus is the master of life. He's doing all of the work. So what do we have to do? Well, we have to give God the weight. You got to give God the weight. Now that sounds really great, but how do you give God the weight? How do I give God some of the burdens that I'm feeling in my life? Well, I think there's a very simple answer, and the answer is through prayer. Do you know that when we release church at the end, after we're done praying, church isn't over yet? You know, sometimes people will go out to the lobby and there's community happening out there and people are talking and catching up. Movement course starts after service. But one of my favorite things we do every single Sunday is we open up the altar. And can I tell you, I have seen and I have prayed with people who come down with burdens that you would think are too great to bear. People, going, people on the brink of divorce, people going through sickness, people in the middle of grief, people feeling anxiety and stress about work, about their children. And can I tell you, when you come down and you begin to pray, God will begin to work. 
And the burden doesn't always go away, but I've seen it in people's eyes. When the praying is over, it gets light. All of a sudden, they have this hope in them. All of a sudden, they feel like, you know what? I've got enough strength for this week. All of a sudden, they feel like, you know what? I think there is hope for my marriage. I think there is hope for my children. The burden might not disappear, but come on, the burden is light. Can you say amen? amen? The Bible says, cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. But it goes even deeper than that. It goes a little bit deeper. You see, why is the burden light? Eternally, why is the burden light and why will it always be light? Well, the burden of the yoke of Jesus is light because Jesus bore the greatest burden 2,000 years ago on another wooden structure. See, on the cross, Jesus bore the burden of sin, death, and the grave. And when he was resurrected, what happened? He opened the way to salvation for you and for me, and he gave us access to victory over death. See, because Jesus bore the cross, we just have to bear a yoke. Jesus bore the cross, opening the way to salvation for all. But there's this beautiful moment when you look at the story of salvation. The Bible talks about it in Luke 23. You know, Jesus is before Pilate and the people are screaming, crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate washes his hands. He, he doesn't see any reason to condemn this man. He's a clean man. But the people ask for death. And so Pilate condemns him to death. And the Bible tells us that Jesus carried his cross. And he's carrying his cross up to the place where he'll be crucified to Golgotha. But there's this interesting verse in there that jumps out at me when I read it. The Bible tells us that a man named Simon of Cyrene, he's this foreigner, he's kind of a nobody. No one really knows him. He's, he's not even from the area. He's from, the historians say he's from Libya. So he was just a foreigner coming out of town. Simon of Cyrene is seized by the soldiers. The Bible tells us that he's forced to carry the cross. The Bible says that they put it on him, on him. But Luke makes this very specific mention of this detail. The Bible says that Luke carried, that, that Simon carried the cross behind Jesus. So picture it with me. You have a wooden beam over the shoulders of God himself and a man. And in that moment, the cross became a yoke. And in that moment, Jesus is about to restore unity and connection between God and with man. And though Simon may have been at the back bearing some of the weight of the cross, Jesus was leading the way at the front, bearing the greatest burden of all, the burden of sin and death. The Bible says he himself bore our sins, where? In his body on that tree. Jesus bore the weight of sin of death. And that cross that he died on was meant for us. So why is the burden light? Because Jesus took the greatest burden that we were meant to bear and he bore it for us. He set us free. He gave us access to freedom. See, when you look at the crucifixion scene, you got to realize you're not the thief on the left or the right. No, you are on that cross with Jesus. My sins, your sins, all of humanity's sins are in his body on that tree, the Bible says. That's why Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We've been crucified with Christ. Why is the burden light of our lives? Well, because the work is finished. The work is done. Jesus said, it 
is finished. And so now we have access to freedom. Come on, we have access to grace. We have access to the goodness of God. The relationship that humanity once had with God in the garden has been opened up again because he took up the yoke of the cross. I can take up the yoke of Christ and I get to walk in freedom with Jesus Christ in unity. God has a life of freedom for you. The question is, will you be yoked to Jesus? Because Christianity is an invitation from Jesus to be yoked with him and to come under the finished work of the cross. That's walking with Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.